Are you working? What kind of work do you do? You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. Here we go on the edge for this Tuesday evening. I am Aaron Korolnik, Gal's brother, a.k.a. Michael Patrick John DeStefano, behind the glass here on the edge as he is always ready to rock. And we're dealing with a tough day, a tough day for myself. I know Al's brother also endured it. We're talking about Giannis, who opted not to take the back door out of Milwaukee and come to Toronto next year. And on the subject of back door issues, they occurred all night last night between the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. And I'm not going to make any lazy puns and jokes about Lamar Jackson needing to go to the bathroom or cramping. Whatever happened, we don't know. But what I do know, Al's brother, is that it was yet another in a line of difficult backdoor beats for both myself and you on Overdrive. How are you feeling this evening? I coined this game the bad beat that beats all bad beats. Oh, creative. I like that. That is what I'm coining this game because this game was over. It was done. It was a push, and I think everybody would have been happy with the push because it was probably the game of the year, the best game of football that I've watched in years, I would say. And I was just so happy that nobody could end up being a loser after all said and done, after Justin Tucker hits that 55-yarder. But they just had to leave two seconds left on the clock, and then the Browns just browned themselves, did the the browniest things of all time, and uh, pulled the Lamar Jackson, potentially, and end up pissing away that game. Well, here's my problem with their final play, you know, the whole lateral, I don't know what they call it, the hook and ladder play. That play does not work. And uh, you've seen it, we've seen it in college, I believe it was at Western Michigan earlier this year, that somehow, inexplicably, that play worked off a kickoff where they're throwing it back and forth, and somehow someone breaks a big run, and they're able to get through a couple of blocks, and ultimately they score a touchdown. But ultimately, I think about what what uh, Tampa Bay did with throwing the Hail Mary to Gronk and there was a pass interference call. Could you not come up with a better play, Kevin Stefanski, than that? You knew it was doomed from the beginning. And as a guy who was actually backing the Browns plus three and a half, I was feeling great. And then that sense of dread kept on building and building as there were lateral after lateral. And ultimately, we know what happened. The safety, actually the the first safety to end an NFL game since 2016. And a 47-42 win for the Baltimore Ravens over the Cleveland Browns, covering the three or three-and-a-half point spread. But let's look at the Baltimore Ravens. Let's move on from our misery, Alice brother, and let's look at the Baltimore Ravens in totality. And for the rest of the season, they're now 8-5. and five. They play the Jags, the Bengals, and the Giants down the stretch. So let's give them 11-5 and five because the Baltimore Ravens are not losing to any of those three pitiful football teams. What do you make of Baltimore's chances in the AFC, and where would you rank them behind the Chiefs? But are they ahead of the Bills, the Colts, the Titans, the Steelers? What do you make of the Baltimore Ravens at this point? I'm not ready to crown them yet. I think last night was uh, was a really good game, and we're seeing a lot of really good things from Lamar Jackson. It seems like he's getting back to his MVP self that he was last year, and he needs to keep up that level of play if they're going to go anywhere in the playoffs. But really, I mean, last night, and yeah, you could say that Cleveland does have an extremely strong running game, but they couldn't stop the running game. Both Nick Chubb and Hunt were running all over them. That defense uh, couldn't do much of anything. 
So I, I don't know if I'm ready to, to put them ahead of the Bills and the Colts yet, but I think I'm ready to put them ahead of the Steelers for second in that division, uh, or first in that division. I think they may be able, they're not going to catch up to them because they've had so many losses, but in terms of, of skill wise, like if they end up having to play them in the, in the playoffs, honestly, I, I would probably take Baltimore over Pittsburgh at this point. So here are the updated odds in the AFC after last night. The Chiefs, of course, are the leaders in the clubhouse. They're minus 122B, the AFC representatives in the Super Bowl. They're followed by the Steelers, who are plus 600. The Bills are also plus 600. The Baltimore Ravens, now plus 1,100, while the Titans, the Browns, and the Colts are plus 1,600. And here's how I look at this, Al's brother, and I was thinking about this this afternoon. If you're going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, if you're going to compete with the Kansas City Chiefs, I don't think the recipe is necessarily a strong defense. It's a part of it, but I think you're going to need to score 30 points minimum to beat the Chiefs in a playoff game. And yes, if there's weather conditions that would prove otherwise, that would kind of complicate things for Patrick Mahomes, that could throw a crimp into this idea. But I'm looking at the Bills and the Steelers and maybe... Maybe the Titans as the team that I would target. And we know Derrick Henry, how dominant he's been. Ryan Tannehill statistically, and I know he's not the sexiest name statistically, has been an excellent quarterback over the last calendar year. Their defense sucks. Tennessee's defense is garbage. But I think they could put up some points on KC. But it's just a matter of keeping up with that offense that is such a daunting task. I couldn't disagree with you anymore, to be quite honest with you. Like, Perfect. I, I mean, Derrick Henry is their identity on offense. So, yes, as long as Derrick Henry can rush for 200 yards, they stand a chance. But if he can't do that, which he wasn't able to do, actually, last year when they played in uh, the AFC Championship game, he was neutralized and Tannehill couldn't get it going. I don't like their chances going forward. That defense is nowhere near as good as it was last year. They've, they've got some bad, some injuries and some guys just haven't played up to the level that they played a season ago so I don't think that I don't put the Titans in that class for me I would think if I'm talking about some teams that stand a chance in the AFC uh, in terms of value I think the Indianapolis Colts here you said plus yeah. 1600 plus 1600 for the Colts I like those odds a lot because yeah they do have the defense that can keep up with with Patrick Mahomes uh, they've got the athletic linebackers that can run all over the field with him they can run all over the field with Travis Kelsey they've got Kenny Moore who's turned out to be an absolute stud you see all that pick over the weekend unreal oh my god you get him covering um uh, Tyreek Hill down the field. I think he could do a pretty good job. So defensively, I like the way that they shake out. And offensively, this is a team that in five or the last six games has scored 26 or more points. The running game is starting to finally get going. Jonathan Taylor, as I predicted on Friday, mm-hmm. did have his breakout game this past week. I think he keeps it rolling. And Phillip Rivers has actually been a pretty solid game manager the last couple of weeks. He's really starting to pick up this offense. It is his first year with this team. And you can see them starting to gain some steam going forward. So to me, the Colts do stand a chance here. And at plus 1,600, those are great odds. He's Al's brother. I'm Aaron Karolnik. You're listening to The Edge here on TSN 1050. And you mentioned Jonathan Taylor who had a breakout game against the Raiders. And I think it's not a trend. Well, sorry, I think it is a trend that you're seeing these 
young running backs who really didn't get all that much work early on in the season. I'm talking about Taylor. I'm talking about Cam Akers with the Rams. And I'm talking about J.K. Dobbins with the Ravens. Those three have become the focal point of those three respective running games. And I don't know if it's necessarily a strategy from the head coaches and how they kind of planned out the season because Taylor was the backup or maybe splitting time with Marlon Mack early on. Of course, we know Hines and Wilkins were getting a ton of touches. Taylor really didn't get the the workload that a lot of people were expecting. The same goes for Akers and the same goes for Dobbins. But clearly these teams are shifting to those young backs with fresh legs. And I think that can make a huge difference down the stretch for those three clubs. 100%. And, and a running game goes a very strong way as long as you have a good, strong defense. Hey, look at those three teams. The Rams, great defense. The Colts, a great defense. And the Ravens, aside from last night, usually boast a pretty good defense. So if you can rely on a running game, ground and pound, and then you just rely on your defense to kind of stall out the, the opponent's offense from time to time, you should be able to uh, compete in the AFC. We'll be joined by Preston Johnson from ESPN. He's a sports betting analyst with them. Uh, he'll be joining us in about five minutes' time. Evan Silva from EstablishTheRun.com, the preeminent source for fantasy football analysis. If you're still alive in your fantasy football league, sadly, I am not. Thank you for nothing, Ezekiel Elliott and Chase Claypool, two guys who are not on my Christmas list, thanks to their poor Week week 14 performances. But Evan will break it all down for you, and he'll also break down a game that I cannot wait for on Sunday. It's New Orleans, and it's the Chiefs. And these two teams have the best combined win percentage in a game in Week 15 or later since 2005. So this is a game that is pretty much unprecedented at this point. And the Chiefs are just three-and-a-half-point favorites at New Orleans. New Orleans, oh, man, were they brutal, brutal against Philly. They allowed two 100-yard rushers, Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders, after allowing zero 100-yard rushers in 55 straight games. So I don't know what happened to that team, but they're they're going to need to figure out it out defensively very quickly because Patrick Mahomes is coming to town and he can smell the number one seed. And KC can go a long way in locking that up. A huge number one seed in this year's playoff format. If you're backing the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, the Chiefs need that number one seed because only one team gets a bye this year as opposed to two in past years. And you think about how costly that loss was to Philly last year, or last week. Now you look at New Orleans, and they got to pretty much win out here because you look at Tampa or uh, Green Bay, both sitting now with 9-3 and three records. Yep. And you come up against the Chiefs, it's near must-win if you want to try and get that by themselves in the NFC. Crucial game for both the Saints and the Bucks. We'll talk about it with Evan Silva in about 20 minutes. Preston Johnson from ESPN will look at the big news of the day in the sports world. Giannis Antetokounmpo signing a five-year contract extension with the Bucks. What that means for Milwaukee, what that means for Toronto, and what that means for the Eastern Conference as a whole from a betting perspective. I'm Aaron Korolnik. You're listening to The Edge here on TSN 1050. Back here on the edge on this Tuesday evening, I am Aaron Karolnik, and I am thrilled to welcome in our next guest, a man I'm a huge fan of, Preston Johnson, a sports betting analyst for ESPN. You can see him on the Daily Wager. Read his work on ESPN.com. What's going on, Preston? Hey, man. Doing good. Thanks for having me on. 
It is my pleasure, and you have the distinct honor of being the first guest we've had on this show who has a master's in sports psychology. So let's start off with a little bit of psychological work for us here in Toronto, because there were a lot of people who were very optimistic about Giannis Antetokounmpo making his way up to the Great White North as a free agent this coming summer. Of course, Giannis signing that five-year Supermax with the Milwaukee Bucks. What... Uh, what, what do you make of this decision from Giannis, and what do you think the impact will be on him and the Bucks for this coming season? Well, it's obviously a super positive impact just in general for the city. I'm happy just as a fan that a small market team can still sign one of the best players in the league, you know, two-time MVP, defensive player of the year, and keep them in that city. So good for Milwaukee. They deserve it. Uh, in general, you know, I wasn't when I'm doing my own projections – uh, for the regular season, looking at some of the futures and win totals and this and that. I, I just did them assuming that he was going to play the entirety of the season in Milwaukee. So nothing really changed for me there. Uh, he's obviously, um, you know, one of the more impactful players in the league. What's interesting just in general, uh, as far as the regular season and Mike Budenholzer, even when he was in Atlanta, there've been these teams that overachieve in the regular season. And Giannis and, and the Bucks have had that reputation now for two years and then come playoff time, uh, they just don't seem to have enough. Now, he did get hurt uh, during that series against Miami. wasn't quite the same. But I think what they've done, not only just adding Drew Holiday, who's going to be an upgrade over Eric Bledsoe, um, but to do that, they kind of found a way to become less deep, where I think Budenholzer will not feel like he needs to play 10-11 guys in a playoff series, down 3-1, and might actually play Giannis 40 minutes, Middleton 40-plus minutes. You know, Drew Holiday will be in that mix, too. Uh, it might get him more minutes. He might actually even have better numbers this season uh, than he has the last two. And Giannis has won back-to-back -back MVPs, but he is not the betting favorite to win the award this season. That belongs to Luka Doncic, who's plus 400 to win. Giannis at plus 500. I see Steph Curry plus 750. Anthony Davis plus 800. LeBron, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, James Harden, a guy whose name I'm sure will come up over the course of our conversation, and Damian Lillard. What do you make of Luka being the favorite? And the reason I ask and why I'm a little bit confused as to why he is the favorite is because it's extremely rare to see a guy on a team that's not a top one, two, three seed in a conference win the MVP. Russell Westbrook did it a couple of years ago when he averaged a triple-double for the first time. But do you think that might be a little bit of a hamper for Luka in his quest to win the MVP? I don't know if it will necessarily. Now, if they're only a 500 team... Uh, that'll absolutely be the case. But what's interesting about last season is when you look at the, you dive in a little bit past their win-loss record, which I believe they won 42 or 43 games last year in 73 games played, which will be a very similar uh, season mm -hmm. schedule as what we have set up here. Uh, their Pythagorean expected wins, which looks at how many points you scored, how many points you allowed over the course of the entirety of that season it kind of gives you a baseline on how well that team performed on average. They performed like a 50 win team last mm. year is the biggest discrepancy in their Pythagorean expected wins and the team's actual wins in the entire NBA last year. So if they performed like a 50 win team last year in Lucas second season, by the way, he was 20 years old. He led the best offense in the history of basketball. And they're going to, I think, make additions like they did with Josh Richardson, bringing him over that helped them ensure them up defensively on the wing. Richardson can still hit a three-pointer. What Luka does, whether Porzingis is healthy or not sooner rather than later, I'm not sure it really matters because Dwight Powell's secret little tidbit here last season before he went down with an injury, 
the most efficient pick and roll in basketball was Luka Doncic and Dwight Powell. So he can at least slide in and do some damage. I think he's kind of a generally underrated player, uh, a little more savvy, I guess, in the analytics community. They love Dwight Powell. So I like the Mavericks as a whole. And if hmm. they're going to, like you said, if he's going to have a shot at MVP, they need to be a top three team in the West. Well, why can't they be? I think they absolutely could be. So uh, Luca in his third year makes another leap similar to what he did from his rookie season to second season. I mean, he was already a borderline MVP candidate anyway. So I like him quite a bit. I think that's the guy that wins it more often than not. I think there'll just be some voter fatigue with Giannis. He hasn't produced in the playoffs. Let's go to the next you know, up-and-coming star. And so uh, I think it's him when it's all said and done. Preston Johnson is our guest. You can see him on the Daily Wager on ESPN as a sports betting analyst. And let's look at a team, our team north of the border, although they're going to be playing games in Tampa Bay this year. In a 72-game season, Vegas has the Raptors' win total pegged at 41.5. That is the sixth most in the Eastern Conference. Now, in preparation for this interview, I saw that the Raptors had gone over their over under for win totals in nine straight seasons leading up to this one. How do you view the Raps in 2021, Preston? So you, you actually you sent me a note earlier today. Said, "Hey, let's talk a little Raptors." And I knew there was some sort of run that they've been on, mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure if it was eight or nine seasons straight, but I looked it up as well. So I was going to say, "Look, you, this team just overachieves every season in the regular season. Uh, why couldn't they do it this year?" I mean, I think they absolutely could. So uh, part of it. I think is that some of the Eastern Conference teams, uh, people at least want to make an argument, are going to be better. Philadelphia won't be nearly as bad as they were on the road. They're probably going to be an improved team. And, you know, you have teams just even on the bottom end. Like a team like the Wizards that, you know, you could beat up on, probably won't beat up on them as much. The Nets, another team that's going to be making um, more noise with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. I, I think it's a fair number when I actually build out my projections and look forward. It's not one that I would bet over or under, but if you force me to, there's something that, you know, maybe the numbers aren't capturing in the way that nurse and his system. And prior to that, even, you know, we're undervaluing what Toronto does, or maybe they're undervaluing, or maybe I'm undervaluing and people out there are undervaluing the travel, right? Going in to Toronto and back out, maybe they have a bigger edge at home than uh, we realize. And so if I was to bet it, I would definitely only go over. I'm not going to be betting in under Toronto. They're just, they're too good. They're too systematic. They are too plug and play, no matter who it is. Even if you don't think you're as deep, losing a Baca Gasol. You know, I love Aaron Baines. Actually, I've been on the Aaron Baines bandwagon for years since he was in Boston. Um, so I think he's a great addition. And then you have other guys that can step in. Chris Boucher. Uh, I just picked him in a fantasy league last night. Uh, nice. You have a ton of options. And uh, I wouldn't be too worried if, or concerned, obviously, as a Toronto Raptors fan. And if you're wanting some action uh, and you wanted to bet the season win total, bet over. I would definitely not look under. Slim duck, you know, he racks up some threes, he gets some blocks from the center position, very versatile piece in any fantasy basketball lineup. Preston, let's look at West, and we know it starts with the Lakers, who are the defending champions, the favorites to repeat. They did have a great offseason, I mean, adding our boy Marcus Saul, Dennis Schroeder, amongst others. They are plus 250 to win the NBA title. Then you look at teams like Brooklyn at plus 650. The Bucks are at plus 650. The Clippers also at plus, plus 650. Do you think there's value to betting on the Lakers in spite of the price you have to pay to do so? <laughs> I didn't. I'm a Lakers fan. And so I, and I, I tend to find myself as a better. You know, you always want to be unbiased. You never want to have those. And I tend to go too far the other way, trying to, like, make sure I'm not being too biased on my teams. Last year, I didn't have any Lakers in my portfolio. Of course, they went at all. But I was trying to find reasons not to, to bet the Lakers. And I wish I could do the same this year. But they're just so much more improved. They're deeper. 
uh, unless LeBron just takes the dive, like eventually he's going to be too old where he can't be the same LeBron. It certainly didn't look like when we just saw him playing, you know, six, seven weeks ago, whenever it was, that he's going to be doing that anytime soon. So uh, they're the best team in the league. It's ultimately for me, I think there's some contenders, like obviously the Clippers were in the mix. Uh, and then like the Nuggets made a sweet run in the playoffs. We just talked about the Mavs. I think Portland will be a lot better. I'm not necessarily sure Houston, if Harden decides to stay and buys in, I don't think they're necessarily going to drop off either. Um, so there are teams there, but it's just a whole tier below the Lakers. And so it, it, sometimes in these instances, and if Clay Thompson was healthy, I think the Warriors would probably be their biggest uh, test, but he's he's out for the season. And so that's a tough break for Golden State. I would just look like at this point it's it's really just a matter of does lebron or anthony davis get hurt come playoff time and if they're healthy you know with marcus Lowe, what he was doing with the passing game high post offense they were running in preseason everyone wants to mention uh taylor horton tucker which is fine he's not going to get a ton of minutes when it's all said and done he's like their 10th or 11th man they're just so deep now with schroeder Montez harrell i mean the top two six man of the year guys last season uh potent offense defense will still be really good under vogel he gets deserves more credit than he gets it's the lakers year i think again Preston, I want to bring you in on a conversation we had in the previous segment about the AFC and the Chiefs. They're the clear class of the AFC. But if you had to lay some of your hard-earned dollars down on another team in the AFC to dethrone the Chiefs, who would that team be and why? Mm, it depends on the prices. Can you rattle them off for me in the next 10 seconds? I can. The Steelers plus 600, the Bills plus 600, the Ravens plus 1,100, the Titans, Browns, and Colts plus 1,600. Hmm, the Ravens at plus 1100. This is actually, I wrote an article about it last week too over at ESPN. Uh, they were, it was kind of buying the Ravens before they beat the Browns, which if they do, and, and then they ended up doing it last night, they're almost a lock to make the playoffs just because their strength of schedule is the easiest remaining in the NFL. And they're finally getting healthier defensively. Uh, there's some question marks still on whether Lamar Jackson can do it in the playoffs. But I will say this. I think the reason why, uh, the setup was nice now at the time, I mean, they're like 40 to one to win the Super Bowl. Uh, the lowest, the worst price at the time was 30 to one. Now you think you can get 20 to one range or 11 to one, like you mentioned for the AFC. It's just so conducive for a Baltimore team that runs the ball and relies on that against Kansas City for multiple reasons. One, just the actual efficiency in which they can run the ball against the Chiefs, who have a run defense that ranks 27th in the NFL in success rate against the run. On top of that, you're eating more clock. Right, You're keeping the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. I don't think there's really a defense out there that's going to slow Patrick Mahomes down. He's going to figure it out eventually, and he'll score his points. So you need to have a team that you can trust can really keep up. I can't trust the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. I mean, they can't run the ball at all. They can't really move it, period. And the Titans, their defense is just so much worse than the Ravens should ultimately be, although I would say maybe they're next because they have such an efficient rushing attack with Derrick Henry, which is where, again, the Chiefs are weak. If you ask me just to look at the last month, then you have to put the Buffalo Bills into the conversation, though, too. I think that would probably be ultimately the team that's picking at the right time, probably still has a good you know, price and value relative to um, some of those other teams. And so Ravens first still for me. I think they're the team that are, people are kind of sleeping on just because they started slowly. They've been injured. They also dealt with a massive COVID situation on the defensive side of the ball. It just took them some time to finally you know, recoup from that and recover. Uh, so I'd go with the Baltimore Ravens. Second, I would say Buffalo Bills just because of what we've seen from them these recent weeks. He is Preston Johnson. You can see his work on ESPN's Daily Wager. Follow him on Twitter at Sports Cheetah. Will you quickly give us the rundown behind Sports Cheetah, what that means? Oh, man, it's nothing too crazy. It was like long time back. <laughs> I was in Vegas with some friends in college, and 
for March Madness, and we were betting on games, and we won like four or five in a row. And there's just a random nickname one of my friends threw out there. He called me the Sports Cheetah. And then a few years later, I was making the Twitter account, and I was like, hey, that Sports Cheetah is available. I'll just roll with that. So uh, it stuck, and, and it is what it is now. Well, my friends just call me a lemon when it comes to betting, so you have better <laughs> friends than I. Thank you, Preston. Appreciate the time. Have a great night. Sure thing. You guys, too. All right. That is Preston Johnson from ESPN. Yeah, Carlo Koliakovo just calls me a lemon constantly. It's very insulting, and Carlo, I do not appreciate those words at all. Whose words I do appreciate is Evan Silva from Establish the Run, one of the top fantasy football analysts on the planet. We're fortunate to have him join us next on The Edge. Back here on The Edge for this Tuesday evening, and I've had a pretty successful fantasy football season, which is still ongoing in one of my leagues, and certainly DFS and in the gambling world. And I credit a lot of my success to our next guest. He is Evan Silva, the co-founder of Establish the Run. And I consider them the preeminent source for football analysis. And that's why I'm so thrilled to welcome him into the show this evening. What's happening, Evan? How are you? Aaron, what's going on, man? We're doing well. We're doing well here. And i got to tell you, I was eliminated in one of my big money <laughs> leagues. No thanks to Zeke Elliott, who... It's been a huge bust, a huge bust both in fantasy, certainly in real life, for the Dallas Cowboys. Are you still rolling out Zeke if you own him in Week 15 and Week 16, or do you think it's been pretty clear that Tony Pollard's going to be splitting carries with him for the rest of the year, Evan? No, he is a um, – uh, the way that you look at Ezekiel Elliott right now is he's like a flex option. So you're comparing him against guys like Manuel Sanders and – Logan Thomas and you know uh, uh, Danny Amendola. I mean that that's really oh. how far he has fallen. Is you know a, a, first of all he's splitting as, as you mentioned he's splitting time with Tony Pollard. He plays in an offense that generally doesn't score a whole lot of points, uh, and also is facing uh, a rough schedule defensively down the stretch. So your your, your confidence level is very low in Ezekiel Elliott. And uh, I, I think he's actually he's a play to avoid where you possibly can. And I was having this debate with a colleague earlier today, and we were debating Zeke versus Tony Pollard, not only for this year, but for future. I mean, Tony Pollard looks legit. Like, he looks like a quality running back. And Zeke averaging less than four yards a carry. And I know the offensive line has been banged up. And Andy Dalton, going from Andy Dalton, or going from Dak to Andy Dalton, definitely hasn't helped the Dallas offense. But what do you make of Zeke's future in Dallas as a number one option? Well, uh, the Cowboys organization has a very high level of commitment to Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, they actually essentially made the decision to pay Zeke over paying Byron Jones, who is just balling in Miami right now as part of uh, one of the best pass defenses in the league. Uh, and also uh, they, they made the decision to pay Zeke over, I, I wouldn't say one for one, but uh, they, they could have just – it would have been a lot easier to keep uh, Dak Prescott uh, rather than, than Ezekiel Elliott if they had not paid Ezekiel Elliott and just roll with their fourth-round pick, Tony Pollard, who, as you mentioned, is a very explosive runner, also is a, a sensational receiver. They use him on kickoff returns because he, he's so good with the ball in his hands. Uh, so, I mean, they know how good Tony Pollard is, but they made this – 
you know, it, it was almost like so that they took uh, Ezekiel Elliott over Jalen Ramsey in that draft, and, and they've been trying to like justify that for several years, and they wound up giving Ezekiel Elliott a huge contract. Big contracts for running backs do not pay off in the short or long term, and they are uh, they're they're paying the price for that right now. I mean, they they really could use a cornerback like Byron Jones in their defense, oh, yeah. which has just been trash. Uh, you mentioned their defense. Perfect segue because yeah. Jeff Wilson of the Niners is a guy mm-hmm. that a lot of people are targeting as a league winner, and Dallas is allowing more than 160 rushing yards per game. And Wilson, with due to a number of injuries in the San Francisco backfield, seems to have an opportunity to explode this week. How high are you viewing his potential in Week 15? I've been so impressed by Jeff Wilson over the last, I would say, uh, beginning with uh, late last season, he runs with abandon. I mean, this guy... You, you'll, you'll see like a, a lot of like uh, undrafted free agent guys just... You know, they just play, like, balls to the wall. And, and that's how Jeff Wilson plays. He is just – I mean, he, he kind of reminds me of Arian Foster. Like, he, he doesn't care about his body as much. And he cares more about, like, you know, that he's going to inflict his, uh, his will on his opponents. And that's how he's played. Uh, Raheem Mostert, uh, they, the 49ers uh, whittled their backfield down to a two-way ordeal – this past week, and it was Raheem Mostert and Jeffrey Wilson. Well, Raheem Mostert uh, injured an ankle, needed an MRI on Monday. We don't know if he's going to play this week. It sounds like he, he probably won't. And that would open the door for Jeff Wilson to get a ton of work against Dallas. And, man, this guy, he's a really fun player to watch. He also, I've seen him make big plays in the passing game as well. Uh Absolutely, he should be owned uh, on every single fantasy team that is trying to compete for a championship. You mentioned fun players to watch. Jalen Hurts, in his first start Mm -hmm. with the Eagles, was a lot of fun to watch, rushing for more than 100 yards. Mm -hmm. He looked pretty competent in the pass game. The Eagles upsetting the Saints. As far as Jalen Hurts' fantasy potential down the stretch here in the final two weeks of the playoffs, is he a top-12 option for you? How highly do you rank him? Yeah, and I I must admit that I... I did not envision Jalen Hurts having that kind of fantasy success. Uh, he neared 20 points in his first NFL start going up against one of the best defenses in the league. Uh, he dropped back to pass 30 times. He took zero sacks. He was hit three times. Uh, I mean, the Saints defense had just been dominating up until that point. And, uh, I, I really credit the Eagles coaching staff for coming out with a great game plan. Now, in his second NFL start, he's going to be going up against a Cardinals defense that plays a ton of man coverage. And uh, in man coverage, uh, the, the defenders run with the, the pass catchers. They don't keep their eyes on the quarterback. Like in zone, everyone's trying to keep every, you know, everything in front of them so they don't give, give away big plays. But in man, you know, guys are – defenders are running downfield and that creates a lot of rushing opportunities for quarterbacks that are dual threats and that's Jalen Hurts who ran for almost 50 rushing touchdowns in his college career so um, I don't know I mean I I can see you know this Eagles Cardinals game playing out in a lot of different ways but uh, I think that Jalen Hurts has a lot of upside here 
Evan, I'm sure you get messages from friends and family all the time. Hey, man, should I start this guy or this guy? Basically, this is what we're about to do right now. Al's brother is our technical producer. His real name is Mike DiStefano. <laughs> Why he's called Al's yeah. brother, I don't know. He has a question for his big money TSN fantasy league that he's going to ask you. Evan, how's it going, man? Uh, I got a real pickle here. So, for some reason and somehow I've made it to the semis playing the streaming game with the quarterbacks. Yep. And I just Good. don't know where I want to go this week. I've got Phil Rivers right now in my starting yep. position. But is there any other streaming quarterbacks that you see out this week? Maybe a Trubisky, a Carr, maybe go to the Mayfield well. Is there another streaming option you think is available out there for me to try and book myself a, sh- uh, a spot in the championship? It's a very good question, first of all. Uh, Philip Rivers, I think, is a high-floor option for you. He's facing the Texans. They're playing indoors. You don't have to worry about the weather. You know, I mean, we're, we're in mid-December, you know, and not having to worry about the weather is kind of comforting. Philip Rivers has been a consistent top 15, top 16 quarterback scorer. Um, I'm thinking about uh, options that you might – I mean – I, I I think he's a fine play. Um, I think if you wanted to, uh, I don't know. I, I, my guess is that Derek Carr is probably owned, and uh, uh, the the Chargers Raiders game has the highest total on the week. But you know the, this Texans Colts game has the the third highest total on the week, and again it, it's indoors. So I think sticking with him would be fine. If you want to get nuts, if you want to go YOLO, you know you only live once. Then I think that. Trubisky would be your next best option. Uh, I really like the over on the Bears-Vikings game at 46.5. I think we, we should be able to get into the 50s here. Uh, and Trubisky has been playing really well. The Vikings cannot rush the passer. Um, so I think if you're looking for four, Phillip Rivers, I, I think he's a fine play. If you're looking for, for a guy that might be able to throw for two and run for one, you know, and run for 40 yards and throw for, you know, 270 and end up with, you know, 29 fantasy points, Trubisky would be your better option. But I think that Rivers is a guy that can give you, you know, 19 solid fantasy points. All right, all right. So I'll be putting in some claims tonight and hopefully I come away <laughs> with one of these guys. <laughs> how, about, uh, how, about, how about Jared Goff? I mean, they're playing the Jets and they should be able to put yeah. up a 30 spot very easily. Is he available in your league, Al's brother? Jared Goff is not available in my league. Hmm, okay, well, there you go. That uh, I mean, I, I just see the Rams. They're 17.5-point favorites. Mm-hmm. Cam Akers is probably going to just run wild once again. Mm-hmm. You talk about a league winner in 2020. Cam Akers, between what he did on, on Thursday night last week and what he's about to do to the Jets again this week, I mean, I'm not sure you'll find many better options than him, right, Evan? Yeah, and, you know, if, if anybody out there is into uh, sports betting, uh I cannot believe that the Chiefs are only favored by two and a half points against the Saints. Yeah. Uh, Adam Schefter was talking on, on uh, NFL Live today that he believes that uh, Taysom Hill is going to start a quarterback for the Saints. I just can you imagine Taysom Hill like keeping up from a scoring standpoint with Patrick Mahomes? I, I just I, I don't see that at all. I think that uh, the, the Chiefs are, are an incredible bet. At minus two and a half, all you have to do is win by a field goal. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just, I, I'm, I'm shocked at that spread. Well, that line has moved to three and a half, and 
You, you, you are right. I, I'm totally with it's, you. It's, I don't it's see you. It's still two and a half at, on DK Sportsbook. I'm looking oh, at okay. it right now. I just, I all right. Believe, all right. I can't believe, yeah, I mean, but, yeah. yeah, I mean, from what we saw. The, and, and the Saints, it's almost has been deceiving what we've seen from them. They played the Falcons twice. They played Denver right. in that game where Kendall Hinton was the starting quarterback. And now they, they played a real real team last week. And I mean, well, I don't know. If Philly is a real team necessarily. Yeah, I mean, but they look they look for real. Entering last week, I think we probably would have all agreed that the Eagles were a bottom eight NFL team, grasping at straws, changing their quarterback situation, and you know the the Saints lost to them. I mean, I I, I cannot believe this this, this is a two and a half point spread. Well, let me get you out of here on this, Evan. We'll talk yeah. about the Eagles, who are at the Cardinals. The Cardinals are six-point favorites. And, I mean, on the surface, it looks clear. I mean, I'm sure the public will be all over the Eagles. The Cardinals looked better last week. Kyler Murray was actually running for the first time in more mm-hmm. than a month. How do you view that game and and the matchup between Arizona and Philly? Honestly, I uh, in my weekly analysis, I, I read up every game. I have not gotten to this game yet. Um, so I don't have any super hot takes on this game. I, the, the spread does look big to me, uh, you know, favoring Arizona. Um, but I just, I don't know. I mean, the Eagles are like a, a Jekyll and Hyde team. I mean, do, you know, I mean, Jalen Hurst didn't throw the ball particularly well last week. And, you know, can he keep up that level of rushing production? Uh, that, that's questionable, but, you know, as, as, a, as a running, you know, a dual threat quarterback facing a man coverage defense, I do think he will have success running. But to the level of last week, I mean, he ran for over 100 yards. You know, the, the Saints had entered week 14 having not allowed a 100 yard rusher in 55 straight games. And last week, they allowed two 100 yard rushers in the same game in Miles Sanders. And Jalen Hurts. I mean, it, 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 this is a crazy sport that we cover. I mean, no kidding, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, Evan, as always, love having you as part of our show, and I can assure you that if Al's brother wins his matchup, he will send you a check for your advice. So thank you for doing this, my friend. <laughs> All right, guys. Good luck this week. All right, that is Evan Silva from EstablishTheRun.com. We're going to take a quick look at the Week 15 slate. Starting with the Thursday nighter, I have a big-time lean, and the lean is towards the L.A. Chargers. I'll tell you why next on The Edge. Congratulations to you, our listeners, for being with us here on The Edge on TSN 1050. We're streaming online. Al's brother shaking his head at my terrible introduction. I apologize, but I will not apologize for asking you to rate, review, and to subscribe to The Edge podcast on iTunes and Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcast, because nowhere will you get a take as hot as this. Okay, well, you might. It actually wouldn't be that crazy, but uh, on Thursday night, the L.A. Chargers are at the L.A. Raiders, or the Las Vegas Raiders, I should say. And it's not a good game. I mean, these are two terrible teams. The Raiders are just absolutely folding towards the end of the season. And yet they are three-point favorites hosting L.A.C. And we know the Chargers have been one of the laughing stocks of the NFL because of their uh, just atrocious coaching. Like Anthony Lynn, some of the stuff he pulls week in and week out just make you shake your head and wonder how this man was ever regarded for a head coaching job to begin with. That being said, the Raiders, and let me run you through their last three weeks in case you've forgotten. 
In Week 12, they lost by 37 points to the Atlanta Falcons. In Week 13, they beat the Jets. And if you recall, they beat the Jets, and I'm using beat in quotation marks, because they lost to the Jets. Greg Williams lost to the Raiders because he blitzed on that final play, Hail Mary to Henry Ruggs, who ultimately scored. So you're talking about a 37-point loss to the Falcons, an essential loss to the Jets, and then last week the Raiders just got bludgeoned by the Indianapolis Colts. So for them to be three-point favorites against anyone, especially a team that has Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, guys who could put up some points, seems insane to me. I am taking the Chargers' money line, definitely plus the three points, and I know the pound-the-table picks come on Friday, Al's brother, but I'm pounding the table right now for the Chargers. Your thoughts? Uh, I don't love it, actually. Okay, great. That's well, nice. I didn't, I, didn't even, first, I didn't care. The last three weeks, but you look at three weeks before that, and they were in a tight, tight game against KC, 35-31. to They blew out Denver, 37-12. to And they beat the L.A. Chargers, 31-26 to in L.A. This one's going to be in uh, Vegas with the Raiders as the home team. So it makes a little bit more sense than, than you think. Okay, well, I disagree. We're going to have to agree to disagree on this one. And I wonder if you're with me on games on Saturday, by the way, this week. How awesome is that? There's two games, Buffalo at Denver and Carolina at Green Bay. Buffalo is a a six-and-a-half-point favorite against the Denver Broncos. And to be honest, when I saw this game was on the schedule, I thought it would be four, maybe four-and-a-half in favor of the Bills. So when you get to almost a touchdown, a team in Buffalo that's coming off an emotional win on Sunday night against the Steelers, and heading to Denver, a tough place to play in the best of times, a team that has turned the corner. And we remember Denver and their loss to the Saints when they had to play that practice squad wide receiver as their quarterback. But if you throw that game out, which you should, of course, Denver's been playing some damn good football over the last month. I would not sleep on Denver to cover the spread and perhaps win outright on the money line against the Bills. Do you want to dispute that one as well, brother? Yes, I do. Go Bills. Carlo will probably fight you about that one as well. But I think the Bills are one of the most well-rounded teams in the league. And uh, the Broncos, I'm still not sold on them. A touchdown favorite is a tad, tad high, but I think that they can cover it. Well, we will get into that game amongst many, many others on Friday evening when we return for another edition of The Edge. I want to thank Preston Johnson from ESPN, Evan Silva from Establish the Run, Al's brother for his terrific work behind the glass. I'm Aaron Kurolnik. We'll speak to you on Friday night in advance of another awesome weekend in the National Football League. Have a good night.